Hi, I'm Zainab and welcome to Project Millennial, a space for burnt out millennials looking to live life more on their terms. Here we'll be sharing stories and insights from other millennials and also going deeper into topics like personal development, life, career, money and so much more. Essentially, we're moving away from autopilot and making more intentional decisions. In this episode, we talk about money. Now, money is such a huge topic and invariably we couldn't squeeze it all in here. But we dive into two main topics, investing and setting yourself up financially for the future. The reason why I wanted to talk about money is because it's such an important topic. A lot of the decisions that we make is based on money or lack of. If you're someone who's beginning their financial journey or wanting to make more intentional steps towards building a better future, this episode is for you. Just a few things that I want to highlight before we start. We talk a little bit about medicine in the beginning, but the majority of the conversation is for anyone who's interested in learning more about money. Also, there is the occasional background noise, but the audio is still clear, so you'll be able to hear everything. And I'll definitely look into how I can improve this for future episodes. Okay, on to the episode. Good morning, good morning everyone. Um, I have my next guest here with me. So she has over 10 years of medical experience in the NHS. Um, After initially specialising in OBS and gynae, she made the switch to general practice after four years. Now alongside her work as a GP, she's also a money coach at thefemalemoneydoctor.com. Her aim is to empower women to take control of their finances. I'm super happy to welcome Dr. Nikki Rabskill. Hello. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here as well. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, it's um, it's been a couple of really hot, sweltering days, isn't it? Which is not great in an office, but you know, still, it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try and make do. Like I said, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I've been following your work since we've connected, and like already, I've learned such a huge amount. So I've been. So I'm really excited to actually follow your journey. I guess I was hoping to start at the beginning. Like, how did you come about with? the female money doctor to begin with? I had issues with my own money. Um, I went out and started uh, learning how to manage it. And I covered people's blogs, read loads of books, went on courses, did loads of stuff to do it. And then when I I sort of had a transition period, so you've already said between obstetrics and gynaecology and GP, I then, when I got to GP land, realised that there were loads of problems that were kind of rooted with money like there was loads of people that had money issues or they'd have depression or they'd break their ankle or something and that would cause money issues like it's it's kind of a cycle that happens in both ways so I thought well actually I'd love to write about what I'm learning because I think that would be really useful for people and that's where it came from and and I just thought well I quite liked the money doctor but somebody else had the money doctor and I thought that's probably a bit cheeky to steal their name so I was like well I'm going to be the female money doctor because I want to help women and I am I'm a woman myself so you know that's it and that's how it was born that's amazing (laughs) so you've been um doing this for three plus years now is that right yeah so I started in July 2017 so literally not long had my third birthday which is very exciting oh nice Um, and so I guess in that process of creating something did it would you say did it start off as a hobby um, in the beginning yeah it's I mean as with all of these things there 
you have to enjoy doing them otherwise what's the point mm. so I started blogging and that, that was the way I, I started with all of this and I just wrote about my experiences wrote about things I've learned um, and yes I would say it started off as a hobby because it, let's face it these sort of things don't bring you in any money in when you first start them and if anybody mm. tells you that they do they're lying um, but then as time went on I realized that I could monetize the blog um, but not through the ways of um, being sponsored to write things for people because I didn't really want to be tied down to a company to say you write about my product and I'll give you some money to write about it I didn't really want to do it that way so I started making my own courses books um, like ebooks and stuff like that um and coaching so that's that's how i monetize my blog that way so i'm transitioning from now being a doctor to being a full-on money coach full-time so that's my next my next transition oh really so are you planning to leave uh, medicine behind yeah i'm still toyed with this because i've worked so hard to become a doctor mm. i mean i mean how many years you know it takes mm. so long to get to that point but i just don't have the passion for it anymore it's just you know I, I love this work that I'm doing and I love being a money coach so I'm going to follow what I love because what's the point of being miserable with your work right so I'm mm -hmm. happy to do bits and pieces as a GP I'm never going to completely give up my license I think it, that would be I think it would be a bit of a waste and all it's, so it's quite nice to have like a backup plan mm -hmm. but my main passion is this so that's where I want to go yeah oh interesting uh so like what in terms of like time are you imagining what it'd be like the end of this year or next year where you go full on with when the money's coming in that pays my bills so it's it's getting there but it's not I wouldn't say it's at a point where I could completely let go and transition because I'd get myself into a lot of problems doing that so mm -hmm. one of the bits of advice that I was given when I was building my business was you know just keep your job there'll be a point where you won't be able to cope with both the job and the business because the business will be taking over. There'll be a little bit of a dip in your income and then it should get better. So you know, maybe the end of the year, maybe the end of next year, I don't know how this is going to work yet. So I'm, I'm open-minded about it. But if I get pushed because local work changes or whatever, then I'll go with the flow on it. <laughs> That's super exciting. Mm. it's really exciting yeah. <laughs> so when I was listening to some of your interviews that you've done before I came across some of the sort of mistakes that you said that you'd made in the past so one was property I think for our generation a lot of times our parents are quite you know well a lot of people feel like property is the main way to go and it's it's something that we should really try to you know um, aim for is to get on the property ladder so you mentioned that you bought your property at 29, but it became um, one of your biggest financial mistakes. Why, why is that? So I decided to buy my own place after a relationship breakdown. I wasn't on the mortgage that I was with this guy with. Um, he took everything. I left with absolutely nothing. And I always vowed after that I was like, I'm going to get my own property. But the issue was I didn't really think it through. It was just this, I'm going to get my own property. Renting is a waste that that mentality that a lot of us have it's like you know throwing money away down the drain but actually once I'd bought my property that's when I had my obsingaini meltdown nightmare I don't want to do this anymore and then it was given a year off to think about whether I wanted to stay in training or not and that opened up this possibility of oh I could go traveling now something I've always wanted to do from about the age of 13 or something like that 
so I then had this expensive mortgage to keep paying mm. as well as wanting to go traveling and it it just tied me down there was no freedom element there at all and one of my highest values is freedom so mm. I think if I had my time again I would have been able to move out of my parents house two years sooner because I wouldn't have been obsessing about saving for a deposit I would have traveled I would have um had yeah rented fine but then that would have opened up the savings investing element as well at the time I didn't know any of this so even if I could go back it wouldn't it probably wouldn't have worked out in the way that I'd wanted to but if I could go back and teach myself that's what I would do and I would wait to save um for a house until I knew I was stable and I wasn't going to go around everywhere as doctors I mean in our training we go around all over the place um so it can be very difficult to put roots down so I don't think there's anything wrong with renting until you're ready as long as you've got some savings you've got an emergency fund and you're building things up as you go and you're not just spending everything like I was mm-hmm. so there's a few things that you mentioned there that really that struck a chord with me one is that your value like your main value is freedom that's mine mm. and I've realized this over time but um, a lot of my if I'm feeling sort of unsettled in a position I think it's because that value is being threat- threatened um, mm. so that really struck a chord with me where where did you go traveling um, so I really wanted to go back to Australia. So I managed a couple of weeks on my my holiday time, if you like, mm-hmm. and thought if I go travelling properly, that's where I'm going to go. So I did six weeks in Australia, and then I went across to New Zealand, did five weeks around New Zealand, and then from there um, to Fiji, and then Bali, Japan, and then Southeast Asia. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of did a few stop offs along the way. So it was about five months all in all. I could have absolutely done longer but I had to come home for my sister's wedding otherwise I would have been in trouble so <laughs> inconvenient <laughs> I know inconvenient. I know who gets How married right <laughs> yeah. okay. also and I guess with Obsangani Obsangani is it, from what I from my understanding it can be quite high pressured um in terms of the training was it just that you wasn't the right fit for you or was it not I guess right to begin with I I love women's health. I mean, mm. I absolutely love it. I I loved the job. I loved delivering the babies. Like I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I think it just wasn't right for me as a person. I couldn't, mm. you know. I don't like night shifts. They make me feel dreadful. I don't like the one minute you're all okay, next minute, oh my god, everybody's on high alert because something's just happened with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the blame culture that goes on and they say it doesn't but it it in my opinion it does mm-hmm. um, and there are some institutions that are worse at that than others um, there are a couple of hospitals I worked in that I loved and I and I felt really supported and really looked after and the consultants are really supportive and teach you know doing a lot of teaching and all those things but then equally you get other hospitals that are just not like that and if you if your face doesn't fit or if you're not part of that academic culture they're not mm-hmm. interested i can still do my women's health stuff as a gp i don't have to be an obstetrician doctor um and in fact if anything i could probably do more of what i loved as a gp because i can do sexual health i can do um things on menopause all these things that i wouldn't have been able to do as an obstetrician registrar going mm-hmm. into a consultant because they want obstetricians they don't particularly want loads of people going off and becoming menopause experts or whatever Mm, so actually mm. gp opened up a lot more women's health doors for me than ironically obstetrics and gynecology did it's really good (laughs) that it helps too i guess um you were able to pivot and actually go into somewhere where you could still use a lot of the skills that you wanted to use 
So I say let's move on to the current crisis. Um, so I was looking at, I was on Instagram basically today and I was reading a post which basically said, you know, a lot of stores have been shut down, a lot of people have been laid off. And I guess it's unprecedented. I think we've heard that word <laughs> quite a few times. So many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess, what do you think has been the biggest takeaway for people in regards to their money in this time? It, yeah, I think I think when something like this happens, I think it really makes you see where all the gaps are in your finances. It's the same when when somebody gets sick with cancer or, or whatever. When you, a crisis hits, that's when you realise that you should have had X, Y and Z in place. Mm. So there's no point beating yourself up about it. It's just it's happened now. And a lot of people, if they've been if they've been blessed to not have a life with other crises or people dying or whatever in it, this is probably the first time they've ever had to experience something like that. Mm. So what I would say is reflect on it and use it as the motivation to actually go and make some changes happen. So mm. actually put in place an emergency fund, actually start investing, actually make sure you've got a budget in place that covers everything you need mm. and not just winging it all the time. Mm -hmm. These are all things that we can do right now. I mean, insurance is another one bit more tricky um when it comes to things like income protection if you if you're getting it in this time because they're probably not going to cover you for things like coronavirus you've got to be really careful you've got to check these things um but if there are gaps in your finances and your knowledge now's a great time to to actually plug those gaps mm -hmm. in case of another crisis that happens i'm not saying it's going to be as big a scale as coronavirus but it might be a family crisis it might be your main breadwinner suddenly gets laid off for whatever reason mm -hmm. and that's a crisis that's yeah. you need that safety net for anyone who's listening nikki has a facebook group for people for women especially so it's called women working towards money freedom where it has over like 1.6k uh, members at, at the time of recording this where it's just a safe space for like-minded individuals on a similar journey so if you're able to i would uh, i would join that another question that i had for you was in terms of investing um, in, an, in another article or interview that you did, you mentioned that you actually just need £25 a month to start um, investing. Why, why that number and how can people start? So it depends on what platform you use. So mm -hmm. when you start investing for yourself, you have to understand that there are brokers out there that will go off and buy the stocks and shares for you. You don't just go and buy them. You have to go via an, another person. It's a bit like going into Tesco's and picking what you want off the shelf. Tesco's have gone and bought those things for you and put them on the shelves for you to go and get. It's the same with the broker. So some brokers, you can actually invest with pennies. So I'm talking like Moneybox, Plum, like these new fintech um, companies allowing people to invest into funds with very small amounts of money. Then the next level up from that would be something like Hargreaves Lansdowne. Their minimum is £25 a month, which is why I say 25 pounds a month because that's mm -hmm. the bare minimum that you can put into an account on a monthly basis and then after that you've got you know other companies like Vanguard that go up to 100 pounds a month as a minimum so it depends really on what platform it is that you're using um 25 pounds a month is not going to be enough Let, let's face it like we can't just say you can invest your pennies or 25 pounds a month and suddenly you're going to be a millionaire that's not going <laughs> to happen you do have to put more in than that but it 
just shows people that you don't need a lot to get started. And then as you're freeing up more money or earning more money or, or changing your finances, you can then start to expand on that when you've had a bit of a chance to learn at that low level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I use that £25 a month. The app-based ones are more likely to be charging you a monthly fee. And I think from memory, Plum was something like a pound a month to, to use their service on, on investing the investing platform. Um, whereas Hargreaves Lansdowne will, will charge you a percentage. So it's mm. a percentage of your of, over the year. Plus, you'll also get charged for the fund as well. So you not only have to pay Hargreaves Lansdowne for the use of their broker service, it's a bit like giving the money to Tesco's and going, can I come, in, can I come into Tesco's, please, and use you? Mm. It's like that. But also you're paying for the thing you're buying off the shelf. So you get like a small percentage of that too, which if you can keep those fees as small as you possibly can, it means you've got more money back in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Difficulty is when you ask somebody to do it for you or when you're looking at funds that are actively managed. That means you've got someone a bit like the Wolf of Wall Street that's kind of like buying and selling, buying and selling to decide mm-hmm. what goes in that fund. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to eat into your money because the fees start to go up. Right. So okay. I teach about the passive investing where you don't have somebody making those decisions and it mm-hmm. keeps those fees low so even with the fees is it a case of you kind of have to do a lot of research so in, so that you don't get to a stage where it's costing you more to so, I'm, I'm, I mean the question I'm having is that you have enough in it to actually make it worthwhile if that makes sense yeah, so the way that they suggest that you do it is you have some money left in cash in your account. So the fees are just coming out of that cash buffer as opposed to coming out of your investments because otherwise they'd have to sell some of your investments periodically to, to pay for those fees. Mm-hmm. And they start very small. I mean, it would be like pennies when it comes out. as a, it's, it's, it's more about what it's giving you long term. So the money you're putting in now, you're not even going to look at for at least 10 years, if not more. And it's sort of mm-hmm. topping up your retirement fund, if you like. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, at the moment, it might be that you're only putting £25 a month in and the fees seem unjustifiable, but it's, it's, that's just the start. It's, you're building up with time. Um, so it's, a, it's one of those things you have to just, you just have to factor in. You're never going to get a platform that's free. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a catch at some point. So mm-hmm. it's just find, doing the research and having a look to see what the lowest ones are. There's mm-hmm. a really good um, article from, I think it's Witch, that helps you to compare the different broker platforms. You might have to pay for their subscription. I think it's like a pound in the first month or something, but it will give you a breakdown of the different funds and fees and that kind mm. of stuff. So definitely a lot to uh, go and sort of research and look into. But again, for anyone who's listening, uh, Dr. Nikki Ramskill has a investment course, a six week long course uh, where she goes through the ins and outs of investing with index trackers. Um, And again, it's a lifelong course so you can have the materials and just keep on using them as you go. I get, this is just, this is a new course, right? It's just come out. So I've actually had the course for 18 months, but as with everything, it starts really small and you build it up gradually. So it's now got, this is like it's third upgrade or something and Mm. there'll be more upgrades to come as I change things and add things. But um, yeah, the group's about, I think it's 44 in the group now, 45 in the group um, Mm. of women. We dip in and out of the training sessions. We have live Q&A calls, that kind of thing. And it's yeah it's great it's great fun I love seeing people's like eyes when they go oh I've just got it <laughs> it's, it's just brilliant it's like the best amazing. feeling 
Yeah, that's amazing, particularly if you have a group of people, you know, at the similar stage and we're all sort of doing things together. Um, I can yeah. see that would be a great motivator. Yeah, it's also, it's like a stepping stone. So it's not like I'm going to teach someone how to be like a property guru. Like, of course not. It's it's that start, it's that in, it's that confidence hand-holding, like this is how you start with this. And then, you know, if you get confident with that, you might want to start looking at other things. I've got um, a couple of ladies now that have gone on to do other things since the course because they now have the confidence to go and do their own research and decide mm. they want to put money into a different type of fund or start property investing or whatever mm. it is so yeah which app would you say you use for which so which apps do you prefer is my question oh uh, I mean there are different again it depends on what it is you're trying to do so mm. if you want to save money then something like Chip or Plum are really good apps for that. Um, what it does is it takes small amounts of money out of your bank account that you connect it to every three days, four days, something like that. I get like a little thing on my phone, a little notification that says, oh, Plum's just taken this much out of your, your account. And it saves it into an e-wallet for you. And I use that as my emergency fund. So it tops up. Um, without me having to do anything mm -hmm. you can also set it up if you you pay a little bit of money to plum they actually can set it up so it puts in more if it rains or it rounds up it, I think there's other things it does I can't remember what the subscription gives you now but there, it, there's other little things that you can do but you don't have to pay for it you can actually just do it um, in the basic one and it works just fine mm -hmm. they also have an investment arm so that savings that you have doesn't actually build any um, interest there's no interest attached to that at all but the investing side of it is what they say is, oh, well, if you invest it, that's where you can grow your money. Obviously, you have to be careful with investing because it can go down as well as up. So don't always think it's going to be like this amazing thing where it's always going to go up because it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. But what you can actually do is split those payments. So let's say it takes £3.50 out of your account one week. You can say, I want 50% to go to my savings and 50% to go to my investing. Mm -hmm. And they've got funds you can pick from. Same with, I mean, Chip doesn't have an investing arm. They do have the savings arm. So that's, again, another way of doing it. And I think last time I checked, they did actually have a way of building up um, interest in your account if you referred people. So if you referred a couple of friends, you'd get a couple of percentage points added onto your money. I don't know if they still offer that because I haven't used it for a little while, but it's worth checking that. And another app that I like is Moneybox, but that's more for investing. So it does the same sort of thing. But what it does is it rounds up your pennies. So when you say, let's say you spend £2.99 on something, it will round that up to a, um, the nearest pound and then put that penny in your investment pot. But it won't take it in you know, pennies at a time. It will round it up once a week and it will take that amount out. And you can also increase it by topping it up and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're apps that are quite useful to get you started with all of these things. Mm, awesome. Any books that you recommend or courses apart from yours, of course? <laughs> um, so there yeah a lot of books tend to be american mm. um but i really like the, the simple path to wealth by jl collins i think okay. that's a really good book and he actually he does acknowledge in it he says i'm really sorry if you're not american you, you're not going to be able to understand half the stuff i'm talking about in this particular chapter but i have a chapter coming up for you and he actually talks mm. about what to do if you're not american um, so that that might be a good one to have a little read of. Um, so the other book is by Vicky Robin and it's called Your Money or Your Life. And what that does is it um, gives you like a structure of how to organize your money. Again, it's American. Some, some things are not 100 percent 
the same as what you do in the UK but mm -hmm. I think it's quite good for sort of getting it to strip back your budget really have a look at what you value and how you're spending your money and things like that mm -hmm. so they're, they're two books that I'd recommend there awesome so if you uh I will put that in the notes description for anyone who's interested in those so thanks for those recommendations um all right welcome <laughs> so I guess the uh next area that we can move swiftly on to is retirement amazing um so you have really mentioned things like pensions and retirement and i mean those are things that i guess people do not think about i mean i don't really think about retirement and pension but having listened to you um i went on to go and actually have a look at the pension calculator and when I put in sort of my details, I mean, my, not my details, but my sort of like what I had in my pension pot already, um, the kind of how much I would like to use per year after I retired. Yeah, things weren't adding up, <laughs> which, was, which was really scary for me, actually, to see the numbers. Because I put something modest like, oh, if I wanted to live on £35,000 a year um, after I had retired and... For me, I know that I'd want to do some traveling. I'd want to go to different places. I'd probably want to live somewhere different. Um, yeah, so I have to do a bit more work now. And seeing that the numbers didn't add up, that was scary. Mm. That was actually like set a light bulb in my, in my mind. Um, I guess I just wanted you to sort of speak, up, speak on it a little bit more um, in terms of how you see, I guess, our generation's attitude to retirements and pensions yeah it's that's why i tell people that because when you actually see that for yourself you just go oh i've been putting like nothing in my pension pot um so the problem is is that i think generally people are a bit ap apathetic anyway about pensions even people that are, are coming up to retirement mm. because you just assume that what your workplace is doing is going to cover you and that's definitely been the case for our grandparents so that they're enjoying like this, like they're the, the okay boomer generation, you know, so they're, they're loving life right now. Um, they've got the money to go on cruises, you know, they've got these really good pensions, which are brilliant um, um, for the life of however they want they're, they're living for. And, and our, our lifespan is getting much longer now, isn't it? So we're spending more and more time in retirement. So the problem for that is as we're getting older, the government and companies are starting to realize that we're actually quite expensive mm. so when we get to the retirement age that we think we're going to have like 68 or whatever it is companies are like mm, you could be alive for another 30 odd years yet we don't really want to pay for that for that long so we're going to make your pension pot less and you have to put in more in order mm. to do that because at the end of the day it's an expense to them if you run a business you know that there are all sorts of expenses and, and a pension is another one of those expenses so we have to take it upon ourselves to plug that gap you know we can't rely on companies we can't rely on the government we we have to take responsibility for our own especially if you work for yourself because if you get to the end of your, your working career and you've not done anything no one's going to give you any money at the end of it you're not going to have that i mean that for me is just that would be a really scary situation to be in so mm -hmm. while you're young the best thing to do is start it now because you don't have to put as much money in if you start later you've got to put more money in so the earlier you can start the better and i wish i had known this when i was like 18 years old 
So I could have been putting some money aside and started investing or whatever. You can actually start pensions for like babies now, if you mm. wanted to, if you had a little, just had a baby, you can set one up quite easily. Um, so the earlier you start, the better, because it means then that time works its magic on your money mm. and it builds much, much um, more easily than mm. it would do if you get to 50 and suddenly realize that you want to retire in 10 years and you've got to throw tons and tons of money into it. One of the ways that people can sort of prepare for retirement, I guess, is investing and using sort of the avenues that we've discussed before. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also being aware of what pensions you've already got. Mm -hmm. So some people um, move around job to job to job every two, three years or whatever. And you might start a pension off with one firm. And then three years later, you go to a different firm and they've got a different pension provider. So you've got one pension you've left behind and then you've got a new pension. And if you do that two, three, four times over your career, you end up with lots of different pensions that have got little amounts in each of them. Mm. So actually what you can do after checking, you've got to make sure that you're not losing any benefits. You can actually pull them all together and put them into one main pot. And you can do that with all the, the brokers that I've spoken about, you can do with all of those. Mm -hmm. Pension B is another one. Profile pensions is a one is um, a service that actually um, has a look at what you've got and says, yes, we can help you. We can pull that together for you. But again, you've got to pay attention to fees. You've got to pay attention to what they're doing with your money. You know, so you, you're switched on with it. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's perhaps a, a tidier way to deal with it because it means then you know what you're doing, how much you've got. Are you on track? Are you not on track? What, is, what, what do I have to top up? If you've got like loads of different pensions, you might be a bit confused as to what's going on. So okay. definitely get curious and find out what's going on. And as an aside, do, do these brokers then, they're investing your money and you just have to be sort of switched on, I guess, in terms of where they're investing and things like that? Yeah, so it depends on who you're picking. Um, if you go with someone like Vanguard, for example, you do it yourself. So you can pull interest together, they do all the transfers for you and then you decide where you invest it. So you've got mm -hmm. different funds to pick from. Same with Hargreaves Lansdowne, you can do the same thing with them. Um, pension B, I have not used it before, but I believe that's a similar kind of thing. So once you've pulled it together, you just pick a fund and it goes. Mm -hmm. Profile pensions, um, that one is more about they, they do it for you, but I, I can't remember if they've actually got their own way of doing it or not. If you just if you just have a look on their website, pro, literally profile pensions, um, they'll be able to answer your questions because there'll be some things they won't touch, like mm -hmm. NHS pensions, for example. So you have to be careful about what it is you're asking them to do um, and just find out what service they offer. And do they let you do it on your own or do they cover it for you and sort it out? Other questions I had was in terms of financial freedom. Um, I think I, I'm assuming that's essentially what you're aiming for. Um, mm. I, <laughs> I I read here that you were you're hoping to retire by age 55, and your like the sum that you have is 750,000. Um, could you sort of talk us through what that means? So again this is all this is what I would love this this is my goal and it's like okay you aim for something ambitious and then hopefully you'll get somewhere near it so yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to happen but it's it's a goal it's an aim in mind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what I did is I calculated the the net worth that I needed to top up what I already had with my pension or what was already predicted in my pension and your net worth is essentially it's like the score your score of how well your finances are doing mm -hmm. if your net worth is negative then it means you've got more debt than you have assets like you know stocks and shares or whatever mm -hmm. 
-hmm. if you've got a higher net worth then you're you're doing better because you've got less debt you might have no debt and you've built up your assets and so net worth is not just for the likes of Beyonce or Jeff Bezos or whatever like we we all have our own net worth as well Mm -hmm. so you start by calculating what your net worth is right now and the way that you do that is you you do you work out all your assets so you write a list of everything you own um, so this would be things like stocks and shares, a pension pot, like what is the value of that pension right now? Um, have you got any buy to let investments? So like how much do those houses are, are worth? You add it all up and that gives you your asset amount. Some people will add things in like their car. I don't because let's face it, cars depreciate. You're not going to sell your car and it's going to suddenly make you loads of money. So mm. I don't put that in there. And I don't put in my house either because in order to release the money out of that house, I'd have to sell it. And then you're not, if you're relying on your house being your pension, you're not gonna have as much as you think you are because you've got to sell it, you've got to downsize, you've got to buy something else to be able to move out into it. And then that pot of money may or may not be the amount you want because just, you know, suddenly the property market might fall, whatever. So I just don't, I don't include the house, I just leave that out. Once I've added all that up, I then add up all my debts. Um, and then the calculation is the total of your assets minus the total of your debts. So your mm-hmm. liabilities. So assets minus liabilities. And that gives you your net worth. And that's where you start. So that's your first step. And then what you then do is you work out how much money would you like in retirement? So you mentioned 35,000, right? Mm-hmm. So you times that by 25. It's a rough rule of thumb. It's not, a, you know, it's not an exact science. It's not like you're... You, you say that's exactly what you need for you. If you wanted that kind of information, you need to get a financial advisor to do that for you. But if you do the the amount you want to retire with times by 25, that gives you the pension pot that you need in order to retire at whatever age you want to do that. So if you want to do that at 55, you need to get to that number by the time you hit 55. And then Mm. there are other things that we do in my investment course around how much money you need to then get to that point by how much money you have to put aside every month you know it's it's not much more complicated than that to be perfectly honest that's it it's where you are now and where you want to get to and it's the difference between the two and if you want it closer it means you're going to have to do a a lot more to get to that stage quicker so that's so for me it's like paying off all my debt getting debt free and then throwing the money that I was paying off debt with into Mm -hmm. my investment pot so I'll be looking at probably half my salary every month Mm. to to investments um Mm. maybe property down the line but i'm not thinking that far ahead yet i'm just focusing on the first step which is to get become debt free and then invest more Mm -hmm. in Mm. in i guess in your courses do you ever sort of speak about making more money or is it more about budgeting what you have it depends on what you need so i've got um a, a monthly membership that people join which helps them with their budgeting so it, can, it looks at you know how you're spending your money getting you to budget in a different way setting money aside for investing some for saving those kinds of things also helps working on your mindset um what insurance you need to have in place wills like it goes through a lot of different aspects of it it covers a little bit on investing but then the investing course is designed purely for investing Mm -hmm. so it's it's thing with money it's not just one thing or another it's not just I need to bring more money in and it's going to be fine it's Mm -hmm. yes you need to bring more money in but how are you spending that money that you're bringing in so the membership in the membership I actually speak about making more money much further 
on in the memberships are six different stages. And the sixth stage is actually the one about making more money, building a business, bringing in more income. Because until you've got your budget right and you've got your insurances in place and you've got your emergency fund set up, having more money coming in, yes, it might make all those things easier, but you have to learn what to do with that money. Otherwise, it's just going to be a waste. You're just going to bring it in and it's just going to leak out. So you've got to fix all the holes first before you then bring more into the bucket. Mm, for sure. So, that, sorry, is the membership different to the Facebook group? So, yeah. So the Facebook group that you spoke about is my free one. So I do lots of live events in there. We've got we have discussions, people kind of working on their own money stuff. Um, so I, it's like a motivated group to talk about money. Mm-hmm. The membership is different. The membership is for a smaller community of people that want to take it to the next level. So they don't just want the free stuff. They want to now put some money into it, skin in the game, actually work on their stuff and work on their budgets, work on their plans, whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the other level, which is the investing, which is purely based on investing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you can find mm-hmm. this on the femalemoneydoctor.com um, and that's where you'll find Nikki's, Nikki's uh, membership. That's, that's yes. really awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I guess we've kind of sort of mentioned your goals. So goals going, moving forward is to sort of take this um, this whole enterprise that you have and just keep just keep moving forward a bit and going forward is yeah. there any yeah. other sort of ventures you think you might be going into um I think at the moment I'm I'm enjoying being a money coach and I'm enjoying growing the business um I can imagine having live events retreats maybe um I've got a planner that's coming out in uh, probably about six weeks to six to eight weeks something like that depends on when when people um listen to your podcast but um yeah so the planner is like a it's it's a book that encompasses everything that the membership does um but it's like a mini version if you like so if people don't like the idea of committing necessarily to membership every month they've got the book that they can use that helps them to bring together all the same sorts of concepts it's like a mini course in itself really Mm -hmm. there's mini videos and stuff like that that goes with it um so there's loads of things i've got loads of i'm always brimming with ideas so it's almost like i have to put the brakes on so that i finish projects before i then move on to the next thing i'm one of these great starters not such a good finisher (laughs) so you have to kind of be really disciplined and and go no let's get this bit done first and then we can move on to the plan plan b so yeah loads of loads of ideas in the future for everyone that wants to find where you know wants to find see more of nikki um she has a podcast called the money medicine clinic podcast those are 10 minute episodes where she goes into a topic for your listening pleasure where else can they find you nikki um pretty much most platforms so instagram facebook um as you mentioned the group already on facebook um twitter as well if people are into twitter but i don't tend to hang out there as much because i like the the facebook group and i spend more of my time in there so yeah if you're interested in in any of those things then definitely i'd love to connect thank you so much for joining us today um it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you so much for having me. Like it's it's been really lovely talking to you. Like finally getting to talk to you. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. And we can hopefully do something else again in the future as you have more and more stuff come out. Um I'm really excited Definitely. to see like where you go with this next. And I think it's it's really brilliant, particularly for our um for our generation and for women as well. Um mm. I really love what you yeah. say about empowering women and sort of empowering yeah. women change change the world. Um it's it's yeah. been amazing to hear that.
you know it's it it's such a passion of mine and and it's so true you know the the right women with money they've got big ideas the thing that's limiting them is the lack of money to be able to go off and do it even if you don't want to go off and change the world in a big way you're still going to have that impact on your family you can teach your kids it's literally the ripple effects will just will just extend so yeah it's so important to me it's so important that women are on board with this and I know many women really want to it's just unfortunately with the financial services industry not necessarily 100% geared up towards women it can be off-putting so there are lots more of us coming out that are talking about these things um, you just got to look out and find them. Mm. Thank you so much for mm. that um, and we wish you best of luck with every with all your ventures going forward um, Thank you. And, and don't be a stranger come back again. <laughs> Yes, I'd love to. Thank you very much. Awesome. Okay, so see you everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Nikki for sharing her insights with us and thank you all for listening. I hope you got a lot of value out of it. Let me know what your thoughts are. You can reach me on my Instagram. My handle is at mindthemedic, M-I-N-D, and on my blog, mindthemedic. I also have the video version of this on my YouTube channel, Z the Millennial, that's Z-E-D. You can head over and dive into the conversation in the comment section and I'll catch you there. Until next time, bye.